Well, happy new year to all of you and those of you listening, whether you're stateside, whether you're across the country, whether you're here in Pennsylvania or whether you're listening from afar. Last day of 2021. And uh, what a crazy year it's been. Ups and downs. Pandemic still continuing. Extremely sad news today. Betty White passing away. Uh, So up and down. We hope you and your family are doing well on this New Year's Eve. Critical Eye podcast for you. We are at episode, I think, 16. Isaac Petcast, Joe Ledneski, Joe Von Johnson with you as we are getting set for what should be an exciting weekend of football. But guys, I tell you what, this is my favorite time of year for a couple of reasons. I, I think number one, the uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, I always say, doesn't really feel like time. It always feels like, uh, you know, people are happier It's a little more relaxed, people taking off work, and it just seems like this week doesn't exist. Uh, You guys have any New Year's resolutions that that you're wanting to share here? No. I think that's stupid. I do. I know. That is – I think that's the dumbest thing. A New Year's resolution – you know what the people with the New Year's resolution do? They just make all the people mad that go to the gym all the time, and they get in their way for like two and a half weeks. They're dumb. (laughs) The funniest, the funniest thing is to watch on like January 2nd, I guess it'd be January 3rd this year because that would be the first Monday and you watch all the gyms and they are swamped and they're packed. And then you get to February 1st and we're back to a normal crowd again. Yeah. I mean, the the gym situation is new year's resolution for so many, but they don't understand that you, you need to start working on your commitment. Uh, earlier in the year instead of waiting until New Year's because you'll be quick to get uh, out of that whole uh, mantra of, of wanting to go to the gym every day <laughs> before it's all said and done before you get to the summer. It's not an easy thing. Uh, so uh, if you got any New Year's resolutions, comments on this podcast, tell us, let us know. Uh, I want to start off the show with this, guys. My New Year's resolution is it's not for me. I can't make this decision, but I would love the chance to get to talk more about the college football playoff Uh, right now at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of Cincinnati and Alabama. And I'm going to ask these guys to just quickly make their picks. Uh, We're we're close enough uh, in this game, Cincy and Alabama, that that's not necessarily a blowout already. Uh, But I want to talk about this. You know, I love this time of year guys because college football is at its pinnacle you feel like these playoff games really, really matter. And you always feel like even if it's going to be a, a quote unquote blowout that, that you want to get up to watch. And, you know, a few years ago, I, I was all against the expansion to an eight or a 12 or 16 team playoff. But the more I watch these games, I think to myself, why would I want less of something that I like? And I watched some of the bowl games a couple of days ago, most notably last night. How about that Pitt-Michigan State game? How good of a game it was without the likes of Kenny Pickett playing. You you know, to me, I don't think you can have too much of a good thing. And and how, whether it's eight teams, whether it's 12, whether it's 16, uh, guys, I feel like there should be a real case to expand the playoff here especially now with a group of five team in, if there were to be an expansion, first of all, do you guys agree? And if so, how many teams? Because I think that's the big question here. Well, I want to, I think this is interesting. I literally had this conversation uh, yesterday with a, a buddy of mine. So this is going to be a problem. And I, you know, Joe Vaughn, Joe Vaughn went to, went to one of the few exceptions, but even, you know, even a, 
even the big dogs would have a hard time. So, you know, all these checks come from bowl games, right? They're not going to be willing to give up bowl games. But the problem you're going to run into is you look at a team like Pitt who can't – they don't sell out their home games. What if Pitt's like a, a 14 seed because they lost to Clemson in the Al- in the in the ACC championship game, and they got to play a bunch of road games? I to me that's going to be the problem. What if you know somebody gets upset and they're not a great fan base that travels well? Um, because theoretically, you could have to go to three road games. In a, you know, you got to go to three road games. But what I would do, and this is going to be the roadblock. What I would do is. If you want to make college football every week matter, really, truly matter, not this charade that we've got, you know, with Georgia getting in the playoff because they're a paper tiger that haven't played anybody. Alabama's going to beat Cincinnati, but they don't belong there without the win over Georgia. The SEC has been awful this year, and they've showed that in bowl season. If you wanted to make this matter, but again, the the bowls aren't going to sign off on this, and especially the SEC is not going to sign off on this. Could you imagine if Georgia had to go to Ann Arbor today to play? That would be awesome if you actually had home games. Uh, they go to 16, and the higher seed hosts throughout. Maybe the maybe the final four is neutral site, but let the championship game, you know, be a neutral site. But really, truly reward the higher seed. Give them a home game. You would have great audience. It would have great. Uh, aesthetics and would everything would be awesome, but the bowl system, you'd rather have a bunch of people, you know, sitting in an empty stadium, you know, playing a meaningless game. Every other, every other college, whether it's two, three, one double A, that's that's all that's how they all do it. Uh, I don't know how Joe Vaughn feels about this, but I really truly believe if we're going to have a playoff, there has to be home games, not you know, making the holiday bowl, you know, the. The, the seven eight matchup or, or whatever whatever it is you know I just eight nine matchup I I hope they would go to home games if they don't I'm not all that interested in it yeah the the bowl committee is gonna is gonna choose you know what they see fit but I think with with bowl season you know the the amounts of money that um, that these bowls pay for these teams to play in their bowl games and what they pay out to the school is gonna make it hard to change the format. Um, because those bowl games is, are paying these schools money. Uh, but I do believe that a 16 playoff bracket would be nice. I like the point of having the higher seed be the home team uh, and playing at the home stadium. Uh, I think that would make college football more exciting to watch, and it, it'll, it'll give you more of a, a home field advantage uh, if you're the team that doesn't travel as well, um, and if you get the play at home but also um with the 16 format you get two teams that get buys and then you get the other four will play um whoever the higher seeds are and then and then i think but i also think if you're going to expand it you know why not go to 12 you know 12 i think would be the the furthest out they can go and then give the top four teams that like say for example bama cincinnati uh, michigan and georgia all would have a buy for this first uh, first game, but I mean, I think it's, it's crucial for them to make a decision on, you know, expanding the college football playoff to at least six uh, because it gives everybody an opportunity. 
uh, instead of just the top dogs constantly uh, getting in because of, you know, who they are and what they stand for and, and how all these different uh, bowl committee members uh, value the SEC over all these different teams and programs. You know, and it's in, it's interesting, Joe Vaughn, and you make an interesting point. My case for expansion is for a couple of reasons. I, I think, number one, you, you add more variables to the equation, right? I think one of the problems with the college football playoff in the last few years is there's never been a specific criteria that the committee's been able to go off of to pick teams. I mean, one year it's you have to win your conference championship. Another year it's do you play in the SEC or do you play in the ACC? Other years it's, well, they've gotten hot as of late. I think when you add more variables, what it does is it allows for an opportunity for you to really establish a, a criteria and whether that's giving the conference champions automatic bids, whether that's giving uh, teams that have had strength of schedule in their favor, an opportunity to be included in the playoffs. So there has to be, I think a criteria for that to work. Here's the other thing. I mean, we're actually seeing it right now as, as it stands right now, it's 10, three Alabama in the second quarter. So we'll see how crazy this game gets by the time we post this podcast. But you know what we're seeing in this game and what I think we've seen in other semifinal games too, it's taken these teams a couple of quarters to get into the contest. When you give Alabama's give Cincinnati, maybe not Alabama as much, but Cincinnati's and Michigan's and Georgia, when you give them three weeks nearly off in it to be able to prepare for a game, you can practice all you want. You can't simulate gameplay. And that's where I think the NFL gets it right. You don't waste time. You don't stop for a few weeks and then start your bowl preparation or your playoff preparation. I think if you add these playoff games and you make them, let's say the week after the conference championships, or even a week and a half after the conference championships, I think it automatically makes the games more competitive because these players won't have three weeks to essentially cool off and then have to get back up again. Joe, Jovan, I'm curious, is that something that you think would be helpful is to start these playoff games right away? Because I almost feel like as a player, it's very difficult to spend three weeks in a practice room after you've been going gung-ho for 14 weeks and then have to go out and play your toughest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand the, the logic. Um, I just, from a player standpoint, I don't know how beneficial it is for college players to have to live out an NFL schedule. Um, I think them getting that extra week or two off uh, prior to playing these uh, playoff games gives them an opportunity for their bodies to recover. It gives them an opportunity to, you know, get away from the game for a couple of days because a lot of, for a lot of them, you know, they're, they play 13, 12, 12 uh, games, and they also have, you know, the, the uh, two, three-week training camp. Um, that's taxing on the body um because of uh you don't really get bye weeks in college football you know in, in the nfl they give guys bye weeks they have a week to to rest their bodies and things like that so you're playing straight through in college and i think that's the reason for you know having the the extended time off um for bowl games especially playoff games but i mean if we're gonna move the playoff uh committee is gonna move to a 16 playoff game system or whatever the case may be then I think maybe having a week off or, or that the benefit of being that number one seed and getting or that number two seed and getting that extra week is something that's going to help you um, going forward. I think it's definitely um, 
you know, taxing on the body though to, to say they want you to play straight through um, and end up ultimately probably playing 16 games. That turns into an NFL season for a college so then, so then here's a question for you, Jovan. And Joe, if you want to pitch in two, you can. Do you then shorten the regular season? Do you make it a 10-game schedule, 11-game schedule? I mean, most teams are playing 12 games. I mean, is, is that maybe part of it? Is that you take the season down by one game to maybe 11? You keep the eight or nine conference games, you play two out-of-conference games, and then go from there? I mean, is, is that something yeah, I think that I think that idea is very beneficial to if you're going to if you're going to be able to to have a successful uh, run with the playoff scheme and, and have players playing, you know, a week after the season's over. Um, I think lim- eliminating some of the games that don't matter are going to be beneficial. Like, you know, Alabama plays, you know, Pace Academy or whatever, some some school that that they should never even have scheduled in the middle or, or the second third of the season. And that, that to me is a waste of time. You know, it's a, it's just a guaranteed win that a lot of teams get. Like you play all these games uh, in conference, but then your out of conference schedule is very much. So just auditions to see, you know, who, who you're going to beat up on. Like, I hate that. Uh, I love the way Notre Dame schedules because Notre Dame, even though they're independent, they schedule everybody under the sun. You know, they, play all the big schools their non-conference games aren't against you know the school of the blind and all these other schools they're playing against teams that matter whether they're a better team or not um isn't significant on who they schedule they're they're going to schedule who they feel they that they can have a good game against and get people to watch so i think you need to make that a point of uh the strength of schedule should be a point of of how they rank teams uh also in, in college in college football Good thing I'm here to straighten you guys out. Uh, first of all, that will never happen in terms of eliminating those games. You know, Penn State needs to have seven home games. That's how they pay their bills. Um, that's just the way it is. Western Michigan and the Little Sisters of the Poor or whomever it is, you know, the, the tickets are the same and there's still 100,000 people there. Iowa's no different. They pay their bills off of home games. That That is one thousand percent never going to change uh that's why there is unless there's unless there's a true split a true split um of of the the haves and the have-nots the big boys you know go off on their own and they can you know have some tv deal with amazon that that seventh home game isn't as important to some of these schools the other thing is that my fear is there has to be you know you you alluded to criteria I think that's too broad of a word, Isaac. There has to be a, a layout. There has to be. So let's say you are an automatic qualifier if X, Y, and Z happens. Bring back the BCS rankings, and then you can seed based off those rankings. You know, the Power Five get in the hot. You know, blah. You can seed off of that because remember the problem you run into with the college football playoff is the fact as it is currently constructed, this is a made for TV event. You know, as well as I do that there are people there that are very unhappy that Cincinnati is there because Cincinnati is not Ohio state. Cincinnati's not Penn state. Cincinnati's not, you know, the, a big boy that's going to bring a lot of eyeballs. So that's the problem. That's the thing that I look at in terms of how they would fix this. Cause my fear is an expanded playoff is just going to be more three loss power five schools and it's not going to be a lot more coastal carolinas or cincinnati 
But I you know Jovan probably doesn't know about this because he played all the time. But um, how my my other question would be: I was always you know sort of under the impression, Jovan, that those bowl practices were like twenty extra practices for you know player development from a coach's perspective. How interested would you be in giving that up? I mean, that's almost two spring practices for a lot of young guys in terms of program development. Do you really think that schools and, and coaches would want to give that up? No, I, I think that the bull. I got I, I got to go jump in here. Joe, Vaughn, Joe, Vaughn, go ahead. Then I got to jump in here. No, I think the bull practices are catered towards the development of guys that don't really get the opportunity to go out there and perform. But I do believe that, you know, if you're going, if you're going to shorten the season, I don't think that seventh home game matters that much. I think college football makes more than enough money to be able to sacrifice one home game because they're getting paid. They're getting paid millions of dollars to play in bowl games every, every year. If they're making six wins, they're getting, more money than in a bowl from the bowl committee than there are from playing in one home game. I think that that's a major factor, but you know, I think those, those bowl games are, are definitely a, a opportunity to develop younger guys and the teams are not going to want to give that up, you know, just to, to minus a game or, or, uh, or anything of that matter. Here, here's my, here's my problem with this and Joe with, with, with your line of thinking here. And, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing to take away regular season games, but here's my issue. When, if you bring back the BCS, I think we can all agree. And I don't think there's any question. The BCS was a, are you undefeated or are you not? I mean, say for 2007, you weren't making the BCS national title game as a one loss team unless your name was Alabama or LSU at the time. So so if we're going to if we're going to then incentivize these teams by bringing back the BCS to schedule all the cupcakes, as was the case with the BCS, you had, of course, all the SEC teams, all the Big Ten teams scheduling Little Sisters of the Blind and Panera Bread for their for their non-conference games that were at home. Why then are we going to try to bring that back? When the entire incentive for the college football playoff, at least part of it, and, and I get I get the money factor, Joe, but we have to understand that part of the criteria that has been for making the playoffs is how is your strength of schedule? That's the reason why teams like Cincinnati and teams like Coastal Carolina and other teams in the group of five have never been able to make it in because the argument is if you're undefeated, then your strength, but your strength of schedule isn't good enough. So are we going to have to reverse what some of this criteria is? I mean, I understand Cincinnati's a great team and I've been a fan of them all year, but you can't tell me that just because you're going to have five group of five teams that are 13 and oh, it doesn't mean that they're better than a two loss Ole Miss or a two loss Baylor. Uh, you can't get that past me. So we have to, we have to fit in a different type of criteria and we have to put more variables in. That's my thing. I don't think you can have a format because if you have a format, then you're trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. And there are just some teams that no matter what they do, they cannot get there. Well, I mean, I would look to, to Georgia as, you know, kind of the opposite of your theory. I mean, you know, Georgia had, doesn't have a win of consequence. I mean, who's Georgia's win? At least Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Georgia's there on name brand recognition 
and the league that they come from. I mean, the SEC has not been this bad in a long time. They've what, one bowl win as we speak right now? And they were 0-3 against group of five schools. What I mean, what on Georgia's resume is like, oh, yeah, they're a, a playoff team. They're there on name, brand, alone. They're there I, I because don't, they're I don't, they're I there don't. because they were number one all Joe, year I, d- I don't disagree, but here's my problem. And, and I'm going to exclude Cincinnati out of this because I think Cincinnati this year has a good win. But let's look at another team in the group of five. We'll say Coastal Carolina. I'd say they're probably one of the other great AC, AAC team or other teams in the group of five. Who has Coastal Carolina played? I mean, it's the exact same argument. They do not have a quality win, as nor does Georgia. I think that's the argument you're going to run into. That's the problem you're going to run into. And listen, I'm saying if we expand the playoffs, yes, I do think it's likely that you should be making an argument for an undefeated group of five team if they have a quality win, if they've dominated their competition. I get that. You have to play the games in your schedule. But you can't tell me if you get a 9-2 and two Ole Miss or a 9-2 to Penn State or whoever, 10 and one, whatever, and they have a ranked win on their schedule, which is likely because you're playing in the SEC or the Big Ten, you can't exclude them because now we're back in the BCS system in which you have to go undefeated or only one loss. Like That that doesn't make sense to me. You have to have more variables because as, as I went back to the point, if you have a formatted sort of an equation, you're going to automatically exclude teams to begin with. I mean, you talk about name brand recognition to begin with, and sure, maybe that's maybe that's something that's going on right now that's a problem in the playoff. But we're going to go from name brand recognition to record recognition, and although I think it's justified in some cases, you can't tell me that 12-0 or 13-0 has to be the only criteria to make it in. My issue is this, and I think Jovan will agree with me. My issue is this, and it's a, it's a big problem. They, you know, they always talk about, you know, devaluing the regular season. Well, why are we giving Georgia a second bite at the apple just because they're Georgia? Like, everybody knew that it didn't matter the outcome of the SEC title game. They were getting in. That is the problem. Uh, and, again, they, if, if you want – if you're Georgia and you want to get in the, in the college football playoff, Guess what? Just beat Alabama in the quarterfinal. Why do they get two bites of the apple just because they're Georgia? And I'm not saying that just to Georgia, but I mean, we saw that with Ohio State. You know, if you don't have to win a conference championship game to get into the college football playoff, that is an arbitrary eye test. I mean, the notion that we have had non I mean, Alabama got into the, the championship game or got into the playoff without even making their own conference championship. They didn't win their own division. That to me is nuts. Like if you want the regular season to matter, have actual elimination games. Well, but, but I think, but again, I think you have to have a a criteria. You have to have more variables. and, And I agree with you there, but I think you have to also make it so that the regular season games all matter to Jovan's point. Don't schedule, you know, UTAP. Don't schedule North Texas. Don't schedule FCS, you know, Montana State. You know, let's make these games matter. That's why I think it's possible to dumb the regular season down a bit. Make the games matter. Have your big money, big ticket games. 
who wouldn't want to see an Ohio State, Alabama in week number one? Are you kidding me? That would be a wonderful matchup. I think there's so many ways that you can make this work. And I do think expansion makes sense. I think part of the reason, to, to Joe, to your argument, in which I agree with why Georgia has an automatic opportunity, I think that will water things down if we expand the playoffs. I think a big part of the reason why everyone's upset that Georgia's getting another crack at the apple is because they know that they're likely going to beat Michigan and play Alabama in the finals. I think if you have a 16-team playoff or a 12-team playoff, that waters it down, right? There's more opportunity for other teams. There's more chance that Georgia won't make it in. Prove it to us that you deserve another opportunity. And if you have that 8- or 16-team playoff, then you're going to force teams to win two or three games. And so I think, I think in, in other words, we're all on the same page. But I think at the end of the day, you have to have a certain – number of variables, criteria, whatever you want to call it. And it has to make sense. Uh, guys, we, we got to get to the Steelers and, and the Browns here, but I, I quickly want to ask you, because we're still at 10-3 as we speak. I want to get your predictions for the national championship game. Who who wins today uh, for the rest of this alabama Cincinnati game? And who wins tonight? Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Who do you like in the title game? I think Alabama is going to win just because they got better athletes uh, across the board. Uh, you know, Ritter's a, Ritter's a good player, good quarterback, but there's, there's better athletes there. I think Michigan's going to bully ball uh, Georgia. Uh, you know, Georgia's a paper tiger. They got pushed around uh, by Alabama. And I just can't un, I just, I just can't unsee the physical domination that Michigan put on Ohio State and Joe Vaughn's Hawkeyes. They are nasty at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. They very well could have two top 10 edge rushers in next spring's uh, NFL draft. But I do want to say to, to your point about getting rid of the cupcakes, those cupcakes are funded by those buy games. How much money do you think the big 10 has given max schools over the years to beat them down? They, those, those athletic departments are really, really, really reliant on those buy games. If they disappear, what becomes of those programs? Yeah, I, I like uh, in this this game here. I like Alabama as well. I think Alabama is, is just they're too big in the trenches. They're they're going to be too physical down the stretch, uh, and and it doesn't seem like Cincinnati has really stopped the run game uh, from Bama. And when they when they have, they've had success. But I think this is a good telling for uh, college football playoff committee because Cincinnati's showing that maybe they do belong in a playoff, and they're they're not getting blown out or bully balled by Alabama. Alabama just yet um, but in the second game I think Michigan I like Michigan I think Michigan and their front five um, offensive linemen and, and how much of a, a unit they are and how they impose their will on the people I think they're going to show Georgia that they're the real bullies and they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to just physically dominate the line of scrimmage against Georgia team that also uh, struggled against stopping Alabama in the uh, SEC championship I think Michigan wins, and I think uh, it's going to come down to quarterback play. I think McNamara is a better uh, quarterback option uh, than than Brian and uh, the Georgia's quarterback. I think he's he's just a better player, so I think it's going to come down to that. I'm going to pick Alabama in this game too, but but I'll tell you what, Jovan and I were talking before the show, and I, I told Jovan, I said specifically, Cincinnati does not have to win this game 
but they certainly have to play well if the group of five wants a chance to make a playoff in this format. They keep playing the way they've been playing in this game so far with great defense. I think they are at least are going to keep it close. I'll tell you what, it's, it's really interesting how far we've come. Five years ago, if it was a 10-3 Alabama lead, you'd say game over. This There's no chance. Cincinnati actually does well, I would say, and they're okay with a low-scoring game with the way Alabama's offense has been playing, with the way Alabama's defense has been mediocre at times this season. And, and guys, I'm with you, too, with Michigan. I'll tell you what, you know, as much as I harp on Joe, he made a good – he's making a, a good point here with Georgia and then being slightly overrated. When you look at the, the roster, the position battle in this game – Michigan wins most, if not every single position battle. They win the quarterback position battle. I think they win the running back position battle. I think they have more talented wide receivers. And this is the first time that Georgia is going to play a team this year that is a defensive front for the equivalent, if not better to Jordan Davis and company with Georgia. So I think Michigan wins. I think you're going to see that run game. Like you said, come up with a huge day and guys get this too. Michigan's offense has the most plays of 50 or more yards this season. Georgia's defense is going to be in trouble in this game. I'm going to take the Wolverines in the playoff and we'll see what happens in the final. Okay. Let's for the last 10 minutes here, let's talk about Steelers Browns. I don't want to harp on the bills that much. I think we all know that they'll take care of Atlanta this weekend, but the big news clearly coming out of Pittsburgh was Ben Roethlisberger saying on Wednesday that it could be it. He did say that all signs were pointing to the direction of retirement I don't think there's any question that Heinz Field's going to be amped up. I'll be at that game. It's going to be a great environment. But, guys, you know, I'll say this. Um, it's amazing to me how Ben just now is coming out and saying this. And I'm not saying there's this much psychology going into his announcement, per se. But you'll almost wonder if Ben sees the writing on the wall and he cares about this team and he cares about this organization he wants to take some of the blame and the pressure maybe off of this team that is severely underachieving. Do you, do you see anything into this guys that Ben's announcement maybe on Wednesday was just a play to potentially take some of the eyes off of the struggles of this team and onto him and his decision. I mean, is there anything at all that you think plays into that? Uh, I think Ben just wants the eyes on him, like he always wants. But that, the that's eyes but on that's him. what I, that's what I'm saying. But I don't think it has anything to do with the team or the betterment or the work. I just I think this is the most Ben Roethlisberger thing ever. This may be my who makes an announcement. This may be my last game. Like, like go go to your wife. And be like, hey, you know, we're. I was thinking maybe we should see other people. How is that gonna go? Like, why would? Why would he say that other than Ben Roethlisberger wants all eyes on him? That's that's Ben Roethlisberger to a T. That's who he is. I agree 100%. You know, Ben is is making that statement at this point in the game to basically put the attention on him to allow the fans to know that it's not it's not ultimately his decision to want to retire, but he's, he's making it seem like he's being forced into that decision. And I think it, it's the most Ben Roethlisberger thing to do at this point in stage in his career is just to go out with a bang and keep the eyes on him and making it about Ben Roethlisberger. Let's let's guys, let's look at this game. I mean, I, you know, obviously you're going to have two quarterbacks in this one who are struggling mightily. 
I think everyone knows that that the running game is going to probably determine this one. You know, I, I don't feel really good about this game, regardless for either team. But but I will I will say this: the one thing the Browns have going for them is that they have seen Pittsburgh, I'm sure, on film and their front three and their inability to stop the run against very good teams. I think if Cleveland has a chance to win this tonight or Monday night. You give the ball to Nick Chubb at will. I mean, is there any degree of separation between these two teams, guys, that you can say confidently one of these teams is going to win the game? Because I don't know if you really can. And I like the, I like the Browns because they can run the ball, you know, come hell or high water. That's the only thing other than being consistently inconsistent. Their ability to run the ball is the only thing they've done since week one. Uh, you know, I, I – I just want Baker Mayfield to follow Ryan Tannehill's lead. That's who he needs to be. That's who he needs to emulate. If if Stefanski and Van Pelt have him throwing it 35 or more times, it's going to be a disaster, and they're going to allow the, the Steelers to hang around it and, and find a way to win. Um, I think the Browns right now have a better defense uh, than the Steelers. I just I just don't know what the Steelers are, and you know the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are our team turmoil right now. And, and again, I just can't. They are still in the midst of a playoff race, and their quarterback goes to the podium and says, This may be my last game. Well, and I and I think that's an indication of Ben. He knows the writing on the wall. I think he's pretty aware this team's season is likely ending after week 18. And that could be again problematic knowing this guy. But Joe, I want to ask Joe on this question. And Joe, you can chime in, but but I know we've talked a lot about Baker Mayfield, and clearly for him, um, obviously a rough week. The the accusation that his wife Emily had been getting death threats in the mail. That of course is not okay. I don't care who you are. That should not be allowed. And again, whoever did that, if that's the case, should be ultimately held responsible. But I think that's a microcosm of the frustration that has been brewing in Cleveland. This is clearly a team that I think Joe Vaughn was, we all thought a potential Super Bowl contender, if not a definite playoff team at the beginning of the year. I know this might seem like an overblown um, statement here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is it possible that Baker Mayfield has to win this game specifically? knowing how well Cleveland did with Pittsburgh last year, knowing if they can't win, they get swept by the Steelers and it's a playoff eliminator, knowing that Baker is already in hot water with the Browns. Is this a game that Mayfield has to win, has to perform well if he wants to see the field for the Browns next year and beyond? Absolutely. This is a must-win game for Baker Mayfield. It's a must-win game for his career and his legacy in Cleveland because, you know, last year they handily beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in that last game. And it, and everybody thought going into this season that the Browns would be a 10 or more win uh, team this year. And, and, it, and it hasn't lived up to the expectation that people had. And that's part of the reason is because of Baker Mayfield and his inconsistent play. Um, but there, that led to Joe's point, I think all he has to do is go out and be Ryan Tannehill. He needs to go out and not turn the ball over just hand the ball off, make the the necessary throws uh, when he has to throw it and not try to do too much. I think his problem has been the inability to, to just take the, the check downs and, you know, not try to force things into coverage and trust your arm too much. And, uh, and I think he, he'd be okay. 
And I think it's, it's definitely a game where he has to win or, or they could be looking to go in another direction at the quarterback position. All right, with the time we've got left, I want you guys to pick the game here. I think we can all agree we're all taking the Bills against the Falcons. We're not spending a bunch of time in them. Joe, I want to start with you on this one. Steelers, Browns, Monday night. Who do you have and why? Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I, could make, I could make an argument for every, every angle, for a pro and a con, as to, to who wins and who loses. And totally convince myself that it that it makes rational sense. Um, I don't, boy, I, you know, I really don't know, but I do believe, I do believe that Ben Roethlisberger, big stage, Monday night, he's already set it up. The Swan Song. I think he does have a big game, and I think the Steelers get it done. I'm gonna have to beg to differ. I would have hit you with the. You don't have to beg so fast, my friend. You don't have to. You don't have to beg. <laughs> the Lee Corso think, comes think, out in Jovan. <laughs> I think that the the Steelers' defense is up against a tall task to stop the Browns' run game. I think the Browns are going to run it over thirty plus times for this game, and I think Nick Chubb's going to have a, a huge day against the Steelers' defense, as to the likes of what Dalvin Cook did. And uh, I think the Browns win this game. I think it'll be a close game. But I think the Browns pull it out. All right. I'm going to go ahead and break the tie here. Um, and I'm ending the show with this. I have seen this movie too many times before. I've seen it too many times this season. I've watched the Pittsburgh Steelers go back and forth and break your heart and make you feel like they're a Super Bowl team week after week. It just goes flip-flops back and forth. I've been in the last two Steeler home games. This team, for some crazy reason, it's like a cockroach. They won't quit. And I think Pittsburgh wins this game on Monday solely because of the fact that they have that nostalgia. They have that playing at home. I know we don't like to talk about that. The fans make a difference, but I think Pittsburgh pulls it out late. I think just something about this game, they stay alive. I think Cleveland is going to be too dependent on Baker Mayfield. If Nick Chubb cannot run the ball early, they are in trouble because you cannot win the game with Baker. I think Pittsburgh wins. It's going to be like a 19-17 game. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be bad. Um, but again, the team that wins this is still alive. The team that loses, they have, they are out of the playoffs. So going to be a big game here. All right. Well, from all of us at the Critical Eye Podcast, a very happy new year to all of you. We wish you the best in 2022. We are back on the Critical Eye Podcast next week, likely Tuesday with the Steelers and the Browns on Monday night. Have a happy new year. Enjoy the festivities. If you're shooting off fireworks, don't shoot them off too late and be safe and healthy. We'll see y'all in 2022.